0: Good evening church and welcome to the digital campus of Newark United Pentecostal Church We hope that you are having a great day and it's about to get better Tonight is Wednesday night Bible study and I am glad to have you with us But before we go there, if this is your first time with us, we welcome you And uh, as always, the church is about to groan because we repeat this every broadcast You can find out more about us by going to newarkupc.info And there you can find out everything else you need to know that you don't already know, like how to sign up for a small group or how to partner with us in giving or how to submit a prayer request or get the small group lessons or update your contact information and so much more. So NewarkUPC.info. We're excited to have you here tonight. But before we jump into our theme this week and specifically to our Bible study tonight, I thought... Well, can you see my face? I'm all kind of red. I've been working at the church. In fact, I'm dirty. I've been working all day, and I thought maybe you all would like to see how things are going in the renovations of our sanctuary. So I'm not going to really take a poll. We're just going to do it. And so, Joyce, if you would switch my camera. All right. There we go. So we are back. So we're very excited, and I hope, hope, church, that you're excited as well to be with us and uh, be praying that everything will go smoothly. I don't think there's too much more that can go wrong, but who knows with construction. So anyway, that's a little brief update. Also in that vein as well, I need to do something. We've never done this before. It's not specifically provided for in our bylaws, nor is it specifically prohibited in our bylaws. So here we go. In the midst of covid we need to make an expenditure that is bigger than what I am comfortable doing and reporting to you later. Namely, we need to address our parking lot. And I will, do, I will give more details about that. I don't want to deal with that tonight, but specifically, you're going to hear us begin to announce that there will be an online duly called business meeting to deal with one item and one item alone two weeks from tonight. So Wednesday, June 2nd, we will not have a broadcast, but rather we will join our Zoom bridge. And if you are a member, we welcome you to come and to listen to what I am bringing you, the information. And then you will have the means through NewarkUPC.info, which will explain that night for you to cast your vote, yay or nay, for what I'm bringing to you. It is dealing with our parking lot, and, uh, but we've got to have some measure in which you all can give a yay or a nay. So that is coming up, and in order to comply with our bylaws with regard to that aspect, we are going to announce it over the next two weeks in all of our broadcasts. So to our guests, forgive us that brief announcement, and we'll also hit you with text a couple of times. We'll hit you with a couple of emails, and then please understand that we will then meet Wednesday, June 2nd. So please mark your calendar. It will not be a long meeting. But we will need you to be present if you are a member so that you can help us deal with something that has to be decided before we can actually come back into service and actually have a business meeting. So I'll explain more about that in two weeks, but that should be on your docket. All right. So with that out of the way, let me turn our attention to uh, our topic tonight and to our theme this week. So this this week, we're looking at the biblical narrative, specifically as it relates to immigrants and foreigners and strangers in the Bible. And um, we see something very clear in the Old Testament where God separates his people uh, from the nations that are around them. And yet this very unique thing happens. Well, God says, do have nothing to do with them. Come out from among them, be separated from them. You're going to dress different. You're going to talk different. You're going to act different. He still puts in there an invitation to these immigrants, to these foreigners, to these strangers, that if they are willing to leave their nations, to leave their culture, basically to leave their ways that are idolatrous and to conform to and be transformed in a relationship with Yahweh, then he instructs his people, these very same people that he says have nothing to do with the nations around them. He says, but if the immigrant, the stranger, the foreigner, will come and live according to my laws, among you, you are to open your arms to them. You are to receive them. You are to welcome them. And then he has this great little phrase that he says. He says, for you once were strangers. You once were immigrants. You once were foreigners in a land that was not your own. Of course, this is a reference to the land of Egypt. And so this principle of of separation and yet welcoming the marginalized, welcoming the one who is not like you, welcoming the one who comes from a different background. As long as it's on God's terms, and that's key, God's terms, not our terms, not their terms, God's terms, then God says, not only are you to cease cutting yourself off from them, but you are to open your arms and to welcome Them And so this week we're looking at uh, this, and uh, Arash introduced this to us Sunday night. Uh, Last night uh, we had Meg's uh, um, presentation as well. Uh, We've also, uh, last week, heard from my father-in-law who talked some about about a centurion. And so tonight we're going to look specifically at a centurion. It might have been, in fact, that centurion that my father-in-law spoke about. Uh, Pastor Roy spoke about that built that synagogue. Uh, biblical scholars like to theorize about that, but we're not for sure. it could have been a different centurion. but we're tonight going to talk about a centurion by the name of Cornelius. And uh, as we as I like to joke, he was a, he w- uh, was a part of the marching band because he was a part of the Italian band, but it's actually not true. The Italian band was his cohort, uh, which means he was either from Italy, Or he was simply tasked or assigned to the cohort that was from Italy. And so we're going to look at Cornelius. Now, I'm excited tonight because I have a partner tonight. Um, And I'm really glad this, given this day, I woke extremely early this morning. I have no idea why. My daughter is convinced that the reason I woke early this morning is because last night she went to bed at 945. And I began to yell through the upstairs, no chickens in my house, no chickens in my house. Well, she thought it was very funny today when she got up. And dad was out of the house before six o'clock. She uh, thinks the Lord perhaps smote me, uh, but I don't know. I, I think that's a little superstitious, but K- Candace thinks that's that's what it is. But I've been up very early, been working at the church and getting a few projects done. And um, And so I'm glad to have a partner tonight because frankly, I don't know if I could teach the whole thing all by myself. So unveil yourself, partner. Hello. Alright, Sister Joyce is with us, and so I'm going to pop off for the time being and kind of switch roles and become tech And she's going to talk to us about and introduce us to the story of Cornelius. So take it away, Joyce
1: Okay, thank you So again, good evening and uh, welcome to tonight's theme So I'm just going to reiterate, it's uh, immigrants, foreigners, and strangers in the Bible So I'm going to jump right in and I'll be reading from the book of Acts chapter 10 Uh, beginning with verse one. There was a man named Cornelius who lived in Caesarea, captain of the Italian guard stationed there. He was a thoroughly good man. He had led everyone in his house to live worshipfully before God. He was always helping people in need and had the habit of prayer. One day about three o'clock in the afternoon, he had a vision. An angel of God as real as his next door neighbor came in and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared hard wondering if he was seeing things. Then he said, what do you want, sir? The angel said, your prayers and neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. Here's what you are to do. Send men to Joppa to get Simon, the one everyone calls Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is down by the sea. So from the very beginning here, we see this God-fearing man. Cornelius wasn't Jewish, but he worshiped God and he led his family to do the same thing. And as a result, God saw Cornelius, Gentile in all, God saw him and he accepted his offerings. This passage goes on to say in verse seven, as soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two servants and one particularly devout soldier from the guard He went over with them in great detail, everything that had just happened and then sent them off to Java. So Cornelius obediently did what he was instructed to do. Verse nine, the next day, as the three travelers were approaching the town, Peter went out on the balcony to pray. It was about noon. Peter got hungry and started thinking about lunch. While lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the skies open up, something that looked like a huge blanket lowered by its ropes at at its four corners, settled on the ground. Every kind of animal and reptile and bird you could think of was on it. Then a voice came, go to it, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, oh no, Lord, I've never so much as tasted food that was not kosher. So these things in Peter's vision were creatures that he wasn't supposed to eat, not as a Jew. But the voice came a second time. If God says it's okay, it's okay. This happened three times and then the blanket was pulled back up into the skies. As Peter, puzzled, sat there trying to figure out what it all meant, the men sent by Cornelius showed up at Simon's front door. So, Peter was in this trance while Cornelius's people were approaching the door. These men called in for Simon, also called Peter. But Peter was lost in thought and still trying to wrap his mind around what he'd just seen and what he just heard. So he didn't even hear what was going on. Verse 20. So the spirit whispered to him, three men are knocking at the door looking for you. Get down there and go with them don't ask any questions, I sent them to get you. Peter went down and said to the men, I think I'm the man you're looking for, what's up? They said, Captain Cornelius, a God-fearing man, well known for his fair play, ask any Jew in this part of the country, was commanded by a holy angel to get you and bring you to his house so he could hear what you had to say. Peter invited them in, and made them feel at home. So there are two things that I wanna point out here. First, I love the image that these passages paint of God orchestrating these events and how we get to see God working on both sides. So given to Peter was this vision, just depicting a new way of thinking and preparing him for what was to come. And to Cornelius, who remember was an outsider, a message that provided direction. So it's pretty cool that we get to see God linking the paths of these two believers. And it goes to show that everyone matters to God. God was not only working on behalf of the Jew, but also on behalf of the Gentile. Second, I wanted to draw your attention back to the line that said, Peter invited them in and made them feel at home. And excuse me, I'm a big cry baby. That's important to me. Hospitality really does go a long way. It even played a role in my personal testimony, which I'll hit on later. I'm picking back up after Peter allowed the men to stay for the evening. Now verse 23 says, the next morning he got up and went with them. Some of his friends from Joppa went along. A day later, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had his relatives and close friends waiting with him. Now, although Cornelius didn't even know what Peter was going to say, not only was he ready, but he gathered his relatives and his close friends to come and hear the message too. He must have known that whatever God had lined up was good, and he wasn't going to miss it or have anyone else miss it either. At least not if he could help it. So now the next verse, the minute Peter came through the door, Cornelius was up on his feet, greeting him and then down on his face, worshiping him. Peter pulled him up and said, none of that. I'm a man and only a man, no different from you. Talking things over, they went on into the house where Cornelius introduced Peter to everyone who had come. Peter dressed them, you know, I'm sure that this is highly irregular. Jews just don't do this, visit and relax with people of another race. But God has just shown me that no race is better than any other. So the minute I was sent for, I came, no questions asked, but I'd like to know why you sent for me. So once again, take note of how God orchestrated this meeting. The vision he'd given to Peter showed foods that were normally unacceptable to, for Jews to eat, and now God was calling them clean. But here's the thing. God wasn't only referring to food. This vision showed that God was removing the hard line between the Jews and the Gentiles and preparing God to deal with his with his biases prior to meeting with these foreigners. So instead of being prejudiced, he would be able to embrace them. Verse 30, Cornelius said, four days ago at about this time mid-afternoon, I was home praying. Suddenly, there was a man right in front of me, flooding the room with light. He said, Cornelius, your daily prayers and neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. I want you to send to Joppa to get Simon, the one they call Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner down by the sea. So I did it. I sent for you and you've been good enough to come. And now we're all here in God's presence, ready to listen to whatever the master put in your heart to tell us. Peter fairly exploded with the good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from, if you want God and you're ready to do as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it everywhere among everyone. So Peter continued to tell everyone the good news and how things unfolded beginning with John the Baptist, then with Jesus and how he went around healing people. He spoke about Jesus's death and resurrection and how he and the other witnesses were commissioned by Jesus to announce this good news to everyone. So now I'm picking up in verse 44. No sooner were these words out of Peter's mouth than the Holy Spirit came on the listeners. The believing Jews who had come with Peter couldn't believe it couldn't believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on outsider, non-Jews. But there it was. They heard them speaking in tongues, heard them praising God. Then Peter said, do I hear any objections to baptizing these friends with water? They've received the Holy Spirit exactly as we did. Hearing no objections, he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So look at that. Peter was excited to share the message. Cornelius and his people were ready to receive, And the Gentiles were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's great to see how God can use us if we, through obedience, just position ourselves to be used. Skipping to chapter 11, verse 1. Excuse me. The the news traveled fast and in no time. The leaders and friends back in Jerusalem heard about it, heard that the non-Jewish, remember outsiders, were now in. When Peter got back to Jerusalem, some of his old associates concerned about circumcision called him on the carpet. What do you think you're doing? Rubbing shoulders with that crowd, eating what is prohibited and ruining our good name. So Peter started from the beginning. He laid it out for them step by step. So Peter recapped the whole story for his Jewish leaders and friends in Jerusalem. Verse 15 says, So I started in talking. Before I'd spoken half a dozen sentences, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he did on us for the first time. I remember Jesus's words. John baptized with water. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I ask you, if God gave the exact gift to them As to us, when we believed in the master Jesus Christ, how could I object to God? Hearing it all laid out like that, they quieted down. And then as it sank in, they started praising God. It's really happened. God has broken through to the other nations, opened them up for life, to life. And I'm sorry, just give me one moment.
0: Hey, I'm
1: a big cry baby. Sorry. No,
0: I'm feeling the spirit of Rachel on the broadcast. I, I, I think, I think we have the I spirit know. of Rachel going. We, we sermons, sermons don't come out of Rachel without sniffles. So I think, I think Joyce has been anointed by Rachel's spirit. All right, are you done sniffling?
1: <laughs> One second.
0: All right, there we go.
1: Okay, I think I'm okay. Thank you. Now, this makes me think of instances I've heard of where one employee gets upset because another newer employee receives a promotion before them, and it seemingly violates what's known as the pecking order. But the thing is, if the boss signs off on it, it's a done deal. Moaning and complaining about it doesn't suddenly change it. So I'm not the best at examples, but my point is that whatever God says, goes. Point blank things were changing. The appointment was God ordained. A new thing was happening and salvation was available to all now. And everyone had a choice to make, either to roll with the punches and to trust that God knew what he was doing, or to make the choice to just walk away. But thankfully, after some explaining, those who called Peter to the carpet understood this, And they rejoiced at the fact that salvation was now open to the Gentiles as well. If Peter had failed to obey the leading of the spirit, I wonder what what would have happened. Of course, God would have accomplished his plan regardless. But ultimately, someone needed to preach the good news to the Gentiles. Romans 10, 13 through 15 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Peter was bringing good news to these strangers, and he didn't allow the difference in their ethnicities to act as a barrier. He could have chosen to have a bad attitude about it, but he didn't. As the scriptures mentioned, Peter exploded with the good news. He was so excited to speak. He understood that this is God's plan, and we don't get to say who God can and cannot use. By the leading of the Holy Spirit and the willingness to open his arms to a new people, Peter played an important role in reaching these foreigners who, as a result, were baptized in the name of Jesus after receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember Peter's words. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. One of the points that I'm really hoping drive home tonight is that everyone matters to God, everyone. God will go to great lengths in order to make us a part of the fold. John 4 tells the story of the woman at the well. She was an outcast in her community, yet Jesus went out of his way to meet with her. And the testimony of that outcast raised awareness of Jesus. And because of her word, people came flocking to him. Jews and Samaritans normally kept their distance from one another, from one another But then that may be, lightly speaking. <laughs> but um, so who would have known that this woman wanted Jesus? See, we can't look at people and tell who's truly searching and longing for God, but God knows who's looking for him. And he doesn't turn any of us away due to our ethnicities or societal norms. God moved to not only bridge the long standing gap between the Jews and the Gentiles, but to make all the believers one within his body. And we all have the privilege of choosing whether or not we want to be a part of that. If you allow him, he'll order your steps and guide your feet along the path to salvation. You may be surprised who he links you up with, what doors you'll see open and even what you'll get to be a part of. But it is a choice and it's one that each of us needs to make. Now in Peter's case, he chose to follow the leading of the spirit and to forget his biases and to humble himself and embrace a new people. And Cornelius was receptive. He did his part by reaching for God and walking in obedience and spreading the word to others. So by faith, both men positioned themselves to be used by God. But what if Cornelius had disobeyed the instructions he'd been given? Not that God couldn't have accomplished his plan, of course, some other way, but he got to be a part of it, just like Peter. And think about those who were blessed because of his obedience. A new demographic was reached. I would have liked to have heard their stories. I'm sure they went on to spread the word to others, and I bet others were blessed. I remember first being filled with the spirit and learning more about the Bible and not being able to shut up about it. And for those who would listen, they were blessed too. There's a flip side though. It's really hard to watch people struggle and to see everything that's going wrong in their life. And you know you have the answer to their problem, Jesus of course, but they won't listen. The most you can do is pray and wait on God. And that can be difficult at times because when you find a good thing, you want others to be a part of it. You want them to have this good thing too. It reminds me of another account with Peter in Acts 3, where Peter and John were approaching the temple one afternoon and a crippled beggar who was stationed beside the temple gate begged them for some money. This was Peter's response. Silver and gold have I none but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk." That man who had been crippled for 40 years, leaped to his feet, entered the temple with them and praised God. On that day, that lame man was given more than he'd even expected, I'm sure. See, Peter knew what the man really needed And the answer wasn't money, it was Jesus. As a result, the the lame man received healing, restoration, and he had a testimony. No longer stationed outside of the gate until others could come and carry him away and no longer feeling excluded, as I'm sure he felt since he was disabled. He could now have a sense of feeling a part of this community. I think everyone wants to be a part of something I also think we've all had a time or two where we felt like the outsider and it's a lonely place to be in when you feel like all you can do is look in from the outside. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight that God has put an end to that. But in God, there's there's comfort and there's fulfillment and so many other good things, whether you're an immigrant, a foreigner, an outsider, and despite your political party, gender, sexual orientation or anything else, he's extended the invitation. Now, as I begin to wind down this message, I'd like to invite you to submit your questions. And um, I was hoping we could do something a bit different tonight. If any of you are comfortable sharing your personal testimonies in the chat, tell us about your experience of coming to Newark. What brought you here? And did you feel embraced? Did you find that hospitality played a big role? Had God used you in reaching others? And how has God ordered your steps to bring you here? I'm really big on testimonies. And I know that oftentimes well, we have to say the others can really help. As long as people can replay this broadcast and see what was written in the chat, there your testimonies will be for others who may be encouraged just by reading about your experience. So I came back to Newark while I was in the midst of dealing with some overwhelming health issues. And if anyone is familiar with those, you probably know that your health situation can often impact your finances and your peace of mind. Although doctors couldn't fix me and medicines almost hurt more than they even helped, God did not disappoint. He knew that I was broken and overwhelmed. He knew I felt hopeless. He also knew that I felt like an outsider because everyone else besides me seemed to have it all together. But he also knew that I was reaching and I was looking for him, for, the, for whatever answers I needed, whatever solutions I needed. So when I came to church, he met me there. I ended up gaining what I didn't ask for or even know I wanted, which was another family within the body of Christ. My family was embraced and ministered to, and I no longer viewed myself as the outsider. And by the way, I'd like to say thank you to my Newark family. Um, And I don't wanna cry again, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, If it weren't for you all helping to make our church a place where people can come and feel welcome, I doubt I'd have the same testimony that I have today. As I mentioned before, hospitality goes a long way So when you're in over your head and you just can't find a way out, it seems to have, it helps to have other people comfort you and encourage you with their testimonies and pray for you and offer their help. So speaking from the perspective of a person who was pretty much drowning in problems, I can tell you that it's a beautiful experience to watch God move in your life. Then on top of that, You have the members of the body rejoicing with you when good things happen. There are just so many issues in this world that divide us and that can cause us to feel inferior to others. Also, there's so much rejection. I just thank God that he's led me to the body of Christ, which is a safe place. And the beautiful thing is God loves diversity. There's no room for division over race and um, any other factor. Not within the body but he does move and work through his people. So as I just mentioned, my family and I were ministered to through the body. So if you're not connected, you'll miss out, but you don't have to. No one is cut off from this plan of salvation. And if there's a place for me, there's a place for you. You're welcome here. When that, Whoever you are, whatever you're dealing with, the door is open, just like it was open for me. And you are only an outsider if you choose to be. So can I add you to the
0: broadcast? Oh, I was getting ready to add myself to the broadcast. <laughs> so, um, let me real quick uh, make a couple of comments that I found uh, interesting. And for those of you that don't know, I've spent a fair amount of time in the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. Uh, In fact, my dissertation covered both of those two volumes of Luke's work. So I found it fascinating tonight to look at, and this is the power of diversity, and this is the power of different perspectives, because I have always given Peter the bum rap. Now, the reason I give Peter the bum rap is, is with good reason. Um, And I will talk about this actually in a future broadcast where I look at some of the the problems that happened around the church at Antioch and the council at Jerusalem that occurred in Acts 15. But what happened is, is that uh, Peter and Peter got caught up in that in that controversy. And we find in Galatians, Paul saying that he had to withstand Peter to the face because he was wrong. And so I tended to read that back into Acts chapter 10. And somehow, and I don't know how, and this is why you need to keep reading your Bible, and you also need to listen to other voices that look at things differently. I don't know how I missed this very important point. Peter invited those men into the house, and they spent the night. Mm -hmm. Now, I memorized the book of Acts when I was a boy. In fact, it was the first book that I did Bible quizzing on. And, and and like I said, I, I wrote a dissertation that covered the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. But somehow I missed that. And that's important, Joyce, because later when he is struggling to say, you know, what am I doing here? And I'm not sure I'm supposed to be in your house. Um, that needs to be contextualized a little bit more than I have in the past to recognize that he'd already received the servants and the soldier and housed them. And the idea that any of them were Jewish is highly unlikely. Maybe the servants could have been Jewish, but highly unlikely. The trusted soldier was not a Jew, by definition, would not be a Jew. He would be a subordinate, probably, again, like I said at the outset, either from Italy or at least assigned to the Italian cohort. So that's fascinating to me, and it goes to the heart of this hospitality piece. Because here's the reality. When Peter met those people, they were still outsiders that had not changed their behavior. They hadn't been baptized. They hadn't received the Holy Spirit. There hadn't been any transformation occur. Which brings to another point that you made that I think is fascinating as questions are starting to come in, which is. You need to hear something that she said. Everybody who listens to this broadcast needs to hear it. Those of you that are here live need to hear it. It does not matter who you are. It does not matter what category you fit in. You are welcome into the presence of Jesus. We find this in the Gospels all the time. Jesus is in the presence of in fact, one passage calls it notorious sinners. So it's not just you know the sinner that's kind of goes to church at the same time. No, no, no. These are the notorious sinners, and Jesus, in explaining this, said the reason is is because I'm a physician, and physicians hang out with sick people. They don't hang out with well people. They hang out with sick people. So one of the things that I I, I hope somebody's listening to this broadcast, and I got two audiences. I want to make this point to before we turn to questions. Number one if you're worried about sick people messing up the church you don't understand the god that we serve you don't understand his power you don't understand that when he touches sickness sickness goes he doesn't become sick when he touches issues of blood he doesn't get unclean they become clean when he touches blinded eyes He doesn't become blind, they see. When he touches the lame, he doesn't begin to stumble, the lame begin to walk. I don't care, and I heard Joyce say it, and I thought, I bet somebody's going to wonder what's going No, it doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your race or your nation of origin. It doesn't matter what your primary language is. It doesn't matter your level of education. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how little you have or how much you have lost, and it doesn't matter your sexual orientation. Now, there's my second point. To the larger audience of Christians, you need to hear me very clearly. The Pharisees who Jesus roundly excoriated over and over in the Gospels would be the ones who would be saying no homosexuals, no transgenders, no sexual dysphoria in our church. Not Jesus. The Pharisees would be the one saying that. So you got a choice to make. Just because someone is welcomed doesn't mean that God is not going to change them. Is not going to meet them and transform them. He met you. He transformed you. He changed you. So you should expect that he will do that for everyone. But how do they get there if you don't invite them in and let them spend the night? That's the reality. And I never saw that, Joyce. I just never saw it. And so I appreciate that tonight. Thank you for pointing that out to me. Thank you for making that clear that, my goodness, Peter didn't have it all together. And yet he still invited them in. I guarantee you, because it was the Middle East, he fed them. He basically did hospitality. All right, I have no idea why you just muted Joyce, so don't don't be mute now. All right, so let's turn to some questions.
1: Yes.
0: So the Allen family immediately has a question. I assume it's for me, since uh, the Allen family was specifically told they were not allowed to ask Joyce a question. But growing up, who were some people that encouraged you? Who helped? to teach you about God? That sounds like a Joyce question though.
1: Well, I mean, my parents of course taught me and-
0: Same here. Growing up in a,
1: yeah, like growing up in a Christian household. um, But when I really started learning was when I was older and when I came to Newark. So just learning, through the different messages and discipleship class, small groups. So all of you have been my teachers in that sense.
0: Absolutely. So all those starts
1: in one way, you know, it, it continues.
0: Absolutely. We are to learn from one another. That's why it's so dangerous when we, st- we create classes of people, people that can teach, people that can't teach, people that are, that are involved in the gospel, people who aren't. I think Meg uh, did a great job pointing out to us that an evangelist is nothing more than someone who shares the gospel. And the scriptures say to believers, Peter wrote to believers, be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. The, the prerequisite for sharing the gospel is that you have hope. If you don't know the gospel, if you don't have hope in Jesus, then you can't share the gospel. But if you have hope in Jesus, then you can share the gospel. And uh, as you grow, yes, you'll share it using scripture. But the most effective sharing of the gospel is doing what the disciples did. They said, we're just going to tell you what we have seen and what we have heard. You're not responsible for anything else. You're responsible for what you've seen and for what you've heard. All right, here's another question. Hospitality means different things to different people. Some, folk loves, some folks love hugs. Some aren't comfortable even about being touched. Do you, and this one's you, Joyce, because I do not have any hints or tips or <laughs> rules about what to do with that. So from your vantage point, you came into Newark, you came back to Newark after a season of being away, and hospitality played a role. What What are some hints or tips or things that we did right mm-hmm. and things we could do better, perhaps?
1: I'm not just saying this, I'm really not. Um, I don't know what can be done better, but maybe that is because I, I, I don't wanna make it sound bad to anyone else, but maybe this is, it is the best treatment I've had, you know? So yeah. I see another question here, not to cheat.
0: <laughs> no, I, I get that. It, Sometimes and and unfortunately, church. See, we can feel we can feel like we're doing a great job, and I'm not saying we're not doing a great job, but we can feel like we're doing a great job because other churches are are, are at times doing such a poor job. But that leaves us complacent, and and I have a hint that I would say to everyone is that, and this is going to sound this is going to sound horrible, okay? But I'm just going to say it: act like me. And what I mean by that is I don't mean my personality and I don't mean what I'm saying. I'm talking about act like you're the pastor of the church. Mm. Act like you're responsible for every new person that walks in that door. Act like you need to touch them. Now, I know all of you expect the pastors to do that, okay? And over the last few years, I've extended that where you all realize, okay, so there's a pastoral team, but there's a mentality that you we've got to grow out of church because God cannot give us all the souls that he's reaching for, just like he reached for Canegas and nobody knew about it. He can't use us that way if all that's being used is a portion of the body. So I think the one thing that we can do is, act like, because Regina and I, I'll be honest with you, I've, I've stood and I've watched you all at times and I hit everybody that's new, but you're hitting maybe a new person that's in your section, but you're still more oriented church towards the people that you know, instead of zeroed in on the people that you don't know. And so this is a great opportunity as we have been away from our physical campus and we're coming back. Why don't we start with a new habit? Every person that you don't know, that's your first priority. That's who you're going to because you don't know who that is. That's a choice. You have no idea how that you say, well, my personality isn't a good one. Folks, do you understand that I am a really weird guy? Do you understand that I am not the perfect guy to make friends Just because you all have gotten used to me, just because you've, you know, kind of learned to put up with me. Come on, think about this. If I can do it, so can you. Now, let me take it one step further. And you won't hear them, but I promise you they'll say amen. You have never met more introverted and more odd people than my father and my mother. And they started the church. Where there was nobody except them and a couple of people. And they're the ones that set the spirit of hospitality that we all enjoy and are trying to perpetrate. They are weird folk. I grew up with them. I love them dearly. But they are not the people that go out and influence. They are not salespersons. If they can do it, so can you. Let me tell you another one. One of the most introverted people I know is my wife. In fact, she feels guilty because she doesn't like people. Now, don't tell her I said that, but she doesn't like people. She'd she'd rather just hang out with me. I have no idea why, but she'd rather just hang out with me and have nothing to do with anybody else. If she can do it, so can you. It's critical. That's the main point. When you get the burden and realize how important it is, that's where you'll get the passion for it. All right. Let's go to another question there. Enough uh, lecture there. A few testimonies. I'm really wanting to share the testimonies, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep going. Well, maybe I have to share the testimonies. Come on, people. Where's the questions? All right. Here's one. Do you remember all the learning in my office? Oh, Ooh, my I, think Leela's, I think Leela's needing a shout out, Joyce. All right. So <laughs> here we go. Leela's feeling, Leela's feeling insecure. So here we go. I'm going to make you big there. You go ahead and talk about and her role in your life. So she you know here. what?
1: I'm sorry if I did not if I did not mention her. I mentioned you along with the rest of the body. <laughs> but yes, it began first with my parents, then with Leela.
0: And how'd you meet Leela?
1: Well, she hired me at Christiana.
0: Oh, you mean you can so we were witness her. to a fellow employee?
1: Yes, and I thought she was crazy. Oh, she, well, she, she is. Saying. We all
0: know she is crazy. So that that's not, that, <laughs> nothing's changed on that. She is crazy. But,
1: um, but no, there was, I didn't want to hear everything she was saying, but clearly a part of me was listening and, and wanted to hear more. And she did not beat me over the head with the Bible, you know, but when I, when I asked questions, she was right there to answer. So there's
0: part, there's part of the key. And right. I think that's part of the key about hospitality. Hospitality is the atmosphere in which questions can be asked. Who's going to ask a stranger? But if you have somebody who's made you feel comfortable, yes, you may ask the question. I want to have conversations with people who are lost because they feel comfortable with me. That's the only shot we have of sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, hear me again. Now, I'm, I'm beating a drum. I'm right alongside of Joyce, but I'm beating a drum on something. You hear me. If you are not a member of New York UPC and you're listening, you hear me. Stephen Beardsley and this church has not lost its moral compass. But I'm telling you, Jesus' plan was not for us to leave this world. He said, I leave my disciples in this world, and Father Protect them as they bear witness unto me How am I going to bear witness to Somebody who's confused about their sexuality How am I going to bear witness to somebody Who is is a criminal How am I going to bear witness to somebody Who's strung out on drugs If I cannot be in the same room with them My righteousness does not need protection that way And so it's important that we understand that Embracing someone in hospitality does not affirm all that is wrong with them. We find Jesus, another example. I love this one. He goes to the house of a publican to have dinner. And all these notorious sinners are there. What's he doing in the publican's house? Come on. What do you think he was doing in the publican's house? First of all, he's eating. Second of all, he was eating so he could spend time with them because then they were invariably going to ask something of him. And that was his whole point. Stop being Simon. You know, the the Pharisee who says, you know, what are you doing? Jesus said, dude, you're missing the point. Hear me, Christians. You're missing the point. You do not have to be a sinner in order to be hospitable to sinners. (laughs) And when you're hospitable to sinners, it doesn't mean you've affirmed their sin. Cut it out. Part of it is we've gotten politicized, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic. If you want to know more about that, send me a private message and I'll rant and rail at you about that. Politics and the church should not be merged together. Somebody say amen. Somebody give me a like. Come on, light the screen up on this. Politics and the church should not be merged. God does not need us to fight. If my kingdom were of this world, he told Pontius Pilate, then would my servants fight. But my kingdom is not of this world. I am not in a fight for a Democrat. I'm not in a fight for a Republican. I'm not in a fight for independence. I am a member of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is on the march to reach the lost. They're going to be screwed up. They're going to be messed up. They're going to be strung out. They're going to be confused. They're going to be immoral. But I know Jesus. There's power in the gospel. It's as simple as that. Brother Marsh, that's awesome to see you, my friend. Our missionary to, oh, Lordy, now I'm going to get myself into trouble. I think it's Japan. Oh, Jesus, please tell me it's it's the military in Japan. That's what it is. I just wanted to give a shout out to Brother Marsh. He gave me an amen I don't know which part he said amen to So uh, everybody who wants to be mad at me He was just saying amen that Jesus is the answer The rest is mine Don't get him in trouble Alright any other questions Man he said amen twice Brother Marsh you got to behave yourself You're going to get yourself in trouble If you keep amen in me Alright Joyce I got one more question for you Okay What about when when was the turning point so you knew god you said you were raised by your parents knowing god okay in a form of godliness knowing god as far as they had raised you and we respect that no one comes in and doesn't come from a journey so we respect mm-hmm. that journey god uses that journey all right so you come in and of course i i remember you after you met sister Leela. okay give yes. her props too and uh, and then i taught a bible study of course, she taught you on the job, and then I came in your home when the when the babies were real babies. Yes, and uh, and I taught you and Antoine, and, and then there was a season where health and job and, and transportation, yes. all kinds of things, got in the way. And then after that, you came back. Okay, you, you you came back. What was the turning point? So there was hospitality that occurred, so that sets an atmosphere. Turning point. Well, what, what where where did it turn? Is there something we can learn from that moment? In other words, because sometimes we're impatient with our hospitality. We we want it to turn around immediately. Yeah. So what what was the turning point for you? Was it immediate for you? Was it the first service? Or can you think of a point where suddenly you could feel that it was beginning to turn?
1: Well, that's when I think I do have to make another shout out to Leela. Because... Uh that was the hospitality right there. It started there, it didn't end there. Um, So I couldn't get to the church for a while. So I watched online. So it was building, you know, so when I came there-
0: And that ladies and gentlemen is why we have always, it's critical. That we do and we continue to do what we're doing as far as our online presence, okay? Not just your pastor is a techie. I am a techie. I like playing with techie stuff. But that is not the point. The point is is we don't know who we're ministering to. Right. All right. So you're watching online.
1: There was a pull. There was literally a pull. Like, I have to get there. I don't want to just watch on. It It came to a point where watching online was no longer good enough. Um, still I had to figure out transportation and all, Mm -hmm. but there was a way, you know, and then yes, when I came to the church, then, you know, you walk in and you feel like a mess. You feel like everyone else has it together, you know, and you don't and, but when you're met and this, this answers one of the questions I think I didn't get to fully finish, but when you, you have a mindset, you know, oh, I'm going to be judged or, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) You, you don't feel like you're going to be received as well, you know, as you are. And then you're blown away by how accommodating everyone is and it open. That's why I'm big on testimonies, because transparency, once again, shout out to Leela. You know, she would tell, she just puts herself out there in a sense to really tell what she went through. You know, she doesn't make herself seem all high and mighty and, oh, I never did that. Oh, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't do this. No, she tells it like it is. You know, she tells her story. She has many of them, you know, but um, so that transparency, that care, that you know, when you need help with people they're they're ready to step in, you know, people open their homes to you. So it there are many different ways to show hospitality.
0: So does that, that answer your question? Absolutely. And that's a key okay. point, is that all of us yes. have a part to play. Yeah. We don't have to be everything. Yeah, I, uh, Leela, Leela opens her home in a way that yes. I don't open my home. Like, she's crazy. I mean, she, she'll bring strays into her home. She just, you know, she just opens her home. God love art. If she ever gets aggravated with art, art is just a, a prince of a man. To, I mean, I'd throw a fit if I had people in my home like that. But I don't have to be Leela. Yes. I can contribute my part, my piece, but the key is is that you've got to be aware. You've got to be focused. You've got to be willing to recognize that you are the body of Christ. And the same way that Christ reached the people who were unreachable, the immigrant, the foreigner, the people who were not in the mainstream, they weren't accepted, he now does that through us. And I'm prepared to say that if that is not a part of our life, if that is not a part of our, of our uh, of our culture, something has gone terribly wrong. And uh, I, I'm fearful. I'm serious. I am fearful that the church writ large, if Jesus came back and He had to pick, now He wouldn't have to pick, but if He had to pick and say, okay, is the church like Jesus or is the church like the Pharisees? I'm terrified. That his answer would be, y'all are like Pharisees. Because we are so terrified of being in contact with sinners. Yes. And we need to get over it. Because the power of Jesus within you. And I'm not talking about if you've got an alcohol problem. I'm not saying go hang out in the bar. I'm not telling you you can't have lines. But you're telling me that all your lines mean you have no contact with any sinner? You can't touch anyone? you got to be kidding me. There's some place you can contribute. There's some place that you can be a part of this. You are not supposed to just be about you getting to heaven. You're supposed to be about others going with you. And, uh, you know, I like to give Peter a hard time because um, he did. He struggled. He struggled with culture. But it is interesting. I really appreciate tonight that that point of at least initially there, he, he opened the home. He heard God in that message. And I think that's a great point that Joyce made tonight. If God says it's okay, then it's okay. Okay. Yes. Now, even if I'm not understanding why he says it's okay, and I'll be honest with you, God instructs some things in his word and he instructs some things in his spirit that I'm like, God, this is nuts. God says, well, yeah, of course it's nuts. I'm not like you.
1: Can I butt in for a second?
0: Uh, You don't need to. In fact, why don't you uh, close us out with the final thing? Then I'll do the (laughs) blurb at the end and we'll be done. I think we're at 8.01. So give us the closing thought.
1: Well, just like you were saying, um, it I wanted you to just say that um, gosh, hospitality is not just limited to location. Um, I kept putting I kept thinking, you know, location, outsider, stranger, immigrant, but it's not limited to that. You can be that. It, it can be a mentality. I struggled with that for this message, even like you were saying, God, you're crazy. I've heard you say that before, you know? And I wondered, well, why would you use me to speak? This is actually my worst fear. Um, I don't wanna speak in front of people. <laughs> and I wondered why would you use me or give me a message? But you can be an outsider in your mentality. You can be excluding yourself You know, just like you can sit in a crowded room and still be lonely. So don't limit it to that, to that location. You know, if God is going to use you, he can use you.
0: Absolutely. Because the amount that's us and the amount that's him. Right. We've got disproportionate in our minds. We look at people and we go, oh, that's so much of them. No, you don't understand how very little is us and how very much is God. Exactly. So are you available? That's really the only question. Are you willing to be available? Are yeah. you willing to go past your fears? Are you willing to let God do what he's doing with everybody else and you just don't realize it? Well, tonight's been awesome, folks. It's 8.03. We do not want to go too long. Sister Joyce was worried she wouldn't have enough content. And I don't think that's what happened tonight. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Anyway, that's me. I better get off before I get get her mad at me. Anyway, <laughs> it was a great time tonight. Thank you, Joyce, for being with me. Thank you, and uh, folks. I hope that you enjoyed the message tonight. I hope that you enjoyed our discussion as well. And uh, share your testimonies. Like if you didn't get it into the comments, share them on your on your Facebook. Use social media for some good stuff. All right, <laughs> and uh, we're trying to do that as well. And uh, so if you like YouTube. Check us out there if you like Facebook, like our page there. Share our stuff, folks. Arash says that all the time, but please share our stuff as well. Help us uh, reach folks. And again, don't forget about NewarkUPC.info, and uh, you can uh, find out all kinds of information. Of course, we broadcast Tuesday through Sunday, 7 o'clock, and everybody that's a member, don't forget, two weeks from tonight, we will not broadcast, but instead we'll be on our Zoom bridge And we will handle some business. And so I need you to plan on being there. All right. That's it. So from Joyce and myself, we wish you an excellent night. God bless you all. And we will see you tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Good night, everyone.